Welcome back to Sports Crunch with D. Crom. I'm your host, David Cromwell. And the first wave of NFL free agency came and went in a flash. And now all teams are taking a step back to assess their situations as the 2017 NFL draft approaches in six weeks. That said, that flash contained countless points of light that clarified many of the unknowns headed into free agency, yet also left a major mystery still unsolved. And joining us to break down the wild week that was in the NFL is our good friend Shelby Nurmer, sports editor for Speakeasy Magazine at The Ohio University. It's a pleasure to have you back on with us yet again, Shelby. How are you doing? I'm doing great, David. Thanks again for having me, and we got a whole lot to talk about, man. We sure do, Shelby. You're very welcome, as always. And now let's uh, start the program with the elephant in the room, or at least in many people's rooms, and that elephant's name is Tony Romo. Uh The day before free agency, it was widely reported that the Cowboys would release Tony Romo, but it appeared that was just a bluff as they saw uh, the Broncos go after Calais Campbell in kind of like a move to to like further persuade Romo to come, and the Texans unload Brock Osweiler in an NBA-style trade with the Cleveland Browns. The Cowboys realized the market had formed and said, hold it, we're not going to release him. We're going to try to trade him instead and wait for somebody to bite, bite the bullet. And uh, so it's a game of chicken going on between Jerry Jones, the Broncos, the Texans, and maybe other quarterback DD teams of the NFL over the 36, soon-to-be 37-year-old quarterback. And I just want to go over some scenarios with you that could play out. And this thing uh, is probably going to last for quite a while, so there's no end in sight to the Tony Romo saga. But say he is released. Where do you think he should go? Should he go to Houston? Should he go to Denver? Or should he go to another team? Well, you know, here's the thing, David, is is that Dallas didn't really play this off really well with Romo. You know, right away, uh, it came out that Romo wasn't going to play for the Jets or the Browns, uh, the 49ers or the Bills. And what happened was that it kind of left Houston and Denver. So I, I feel like, obviously, those are the two uh main suitors but right now John Elway is not going to trade for him um and plus with Denver you know you have Paxton Lynch who you just drafted in the first round uh in 2016 so you want him to develop uh at some point Trevor Simeon was uh hovering around average last season uh with a struggling offensive line and running game but you know right now if you had to pick one of those two it'd have to be Houston after they dumped Brock Osweiler's contract got rid of a second round pick uh, to get rid of him to Cleveland, still don't know what Cleveland's going to do with him, but uh, it just it makes a trade very unlikely because Houston already dumped a second rounder to Cleveland to get rid of Brock, and now it doesn't look like they're going to want to give up something else to get a 37-year-old quarterback coming in next season. Yeah, I agree, Shelby, that uh, with you, first and foremost, that Romo should uh, go to the Texans because uh, I think uh, the Texans have a defense that hasn't played up to their massive potential yet. And I only imagine how historically elite they could have been had J.J. Watt stayed healthy last year. And with him uh, coming back healthy, uh, who knows how great that defense could be. So Romo, uh, that would definitely be the most ideal landing spot, And also considering that he doesn't have to face uh, super scary pass rushers in the AFC South compared to the pass rushers in the AFC West that he joined Denver. He would have to face Khalil Mack twice, Justin Houston and D. Ford and Tom Holly twice, and Joey Bosa and Melvin Egram twice. And uh, so Houston, it, I definitely have Houston as my preferred landing spot for uh, Tony Romo. 
But uh, you also mentioned that the Texans won't trade for him for good reason and the Broncos won't trade for him for good reason. What teams, aside from the Texans and Broncos, should inquire, at least, about trading for him? Yeah, uh, it's it's still it's still tricky because I would say uh, uh, San Francisco, but because of how bad their quarterback situation was uh, last season with Kaepernick and Blaine Gabbert. Kaepernick's got, not going to be back. I'm not sure about Gabbert. So you'd think maybe the 49ers were interested uh, in a trade there. Uh, the New York Jets, you know, that New York market, uh, they're always looking for a superstar. But like I mentioned before, uh, Romo ruled out, or the Cowboys ruled out all these teams that Romo didn't want to play for. So now you just practically pinpointed two, Houston and Denver, that are in the market right now. Both are unwilling to trade at this point. So it, you're left with a cold war, is what I think uh, one ESPN <laughs> Uh, saw it, uh, I saw uh, earlier today, that, you know, these two teams are going to wait until he's released and go from there. So I don't think there's a trade going to happen for him. I don't think so either, uh, especially with the Broncos of Texas having drawn a line in the sand, as was also reported this week. But uh, let's put yourself in the, the shoes of Jerry Jones. Yes, he said publicly he would, quote, do right by Tony Romo, but everybody knows Jerry Jones has a big ego and it's all about him and his bottom line more than any other player, no matter how loyal he is to that employee. Uh, so it really shouldn't come as a surprise that Jerry Jones has decided to go this route. Plus any smart uh, owner or GM would do anything they can to try to trade a valuable player for assets. If they could get him. it's it, you at least have to try it. You can't fall Jerry for trying. So if you're Jerry Jones at the Cowboys front office, what would be your asking price? Well, you know, you as great as Tony Romo's been, uh, you know, a few years ago in 2014 when he uh, almost led Dallas to the NFC title game, that Green Bay. Uh, Des caught it. Des caught it game. Um, you know, the last two years, you know, he's he's only played five games, and he's going to turn 37 next season. So uh, as much as you want to get a good return for him, you know, his window, if not closed already, is – almost shut i mean the the pie's baking on the on the counter right now uh with romo and you know you'd have to look and maybe see about a fourth round pick third round pick for him i'd i'd say third round probably be the highest but somewhere in the range of a third to fifth round pick for him that i believe would be a fair price but i don't see either uh denver or houston taking that bait and once no, again once again, he is Shelby Dermer, ladies and gentlemen. You can follow him on Twitter at SCDermer4, and he is the sports editor for Speakeasy Magazine at The Ohio University. And now let's move on to the defending Super Bowl champions, the New England Patriots, who have unexpectedly made a lot of noise this free agency, and that is very uncharacteristic of uh, one Bill Belichick. And let's recap what Bill Belichick and company have done. They signed cornerback Stephon Gilmore from Buffalo to a top-of-the-market deal. They also acquired speedy New Orleans Saints wide receiver Brandon Cooks in a trade that sent the 32nd overall pick of the draft to the New Orleans Saints for Brandon Cooks, and some other picks were included in that trade. They also acquired the guy who would have been the MVP of Super Bowl 50 had the Panthers won Coney Ely in a trade with the Panthers that uh, only uh, involved a swap of eight uh, draft slots, and just today, they re-signed linebacker Dante Hightower, and yesterday they signed one of the NFL's most underrated change of pace running backs in Rex Burkhead uh, from your Cincinnati Bengals. Don't mean to be, make you disappointed, Shelby. Oh, and no also, they, sound, they signed a Lord Sky for valuable depth on the defensive line. So the New England Patriots, and they also acquired Dwayne Allen, uh, 
the former Colts tight end in a trade with Indy. So the Patriots appear have got even more dangerous, if not more dangerous than they've ever been since 27, at least on paper, it appears that way. And based on what the Patriots have done, doesn't the NFL basically look like the Patriots and everybody else right now? Yeah, well, I mean, that's what was the case in early February. You know, only one team's happy at the end of the year. So, yeah, even starting then, it was the Patriots and everybody else. And, you know, even more uh, after this last week and this last week of activity and you you said it best i mean they got coney ely had three sacks against peyton manning in that super bowl uh still 25 years old and plus they got him in a trade and he's only going to make about eight hundred thousand dollars next year before he hits free agency in 2018 so uh major steal in that department by uh belichick and company then brandon cooks uh gave up a first and third round pick for him but got a fourth round uh, he's still only 23 years old, uh, two straight 1,000-yard seasons, averaging over 13 yards a catch. And uh, he's pretty spoiled, too. Uh, his uh, four years in the NFL, this will be his fourth, uh, playing with two of the best quarterbacks of all time in Breeze and now Brady. But uh, Cooks will be the best deep threat Brady's had since uh, Randy Moss, and we all know how that uh, played out in a near-perfect season. So, yeah, right now, uh, and plus you add Dwayne Allen to replace Martellus Bennett. Uh, Stephon Gilmore, LeGarrette Blunt still a question mark, but you know you revamp that defense with Gilmore and Dante Hightower and Ely, and yeah, it's the Patriots' world, and everyone else is just living in it. Absolutely, you said it. And what team on paper, at least at the present time, comes close to being able to dethrone the five-time Super Bowl champs? Well, I think uh, last year's uh, team that could have beat them in the Super Bowl, even though Atlanta had a pretty good shot. Uh, with a 99% win probability at one point. I still think the Dallas Cowboys, uh, great squad with uh, Ezekiel Elliott running the ball behind that great offensive line, even though they lost their guard to Denver. Um, but I think Dallas from the NFC, uh, as far as the AFC, uh, still up in arms. Houston is, has a great defense, but they're, they're still without a starting quarterback. Denver has a great defense, same scenario. Uh, I think the Kansas City Chiefs could be up there if they can – uh, push through some postseason woes, and I think the Pittsburgh Steelers are probably their New England's uh, top competitor in the conference as they met in the AFC Championship game last year in Foxborough. Totally, Shelby. Completely agree. It's definitely the Patriots' world that we're all living in it right now, and uh, and it's going to be interesting to see what team can, uh, can dethrone them, if any, next year. But uh, let's stay with the Patriots for a moment before we move on to our next topic. Uh, uh, and it concerns their other star cornerback, Malcolm Butler, the hero of Super Bowl 49. And uh, Malcolm Butler, uh, before free agency began, the Patriots placed the first-round tender on him as a restricted free agent. But he not only did he not sign that tender, he is very disappointed that they gave Stephon Gilmore all that dough, uh, especially considering Butler is considered a superior talent than, than Gilmore at the moment. Um, so... The New Orleans Saints originally wanted um, Malcolm Butler in that Brandon Cooks trade, but they couldn't trade for Butler because he didn't sign the restricted free agency tender. And Butler is doing all he can to persuade the Patriots to let him loose. And the AP reported yesterday that he will actually visit uh, the New Orleans Saints. That uh, that scoop came from uh, Sean Payton himself. So, But it, since the Patriots put a first-round tender on him, uh, that means the Saints might have to give up the 11th overall pick to acquire Malcolm Butler in, in free agency uh, from 
uh, from the Patriots, restricted free agency, that is. So do you think the Saints should uh, kick the tires on Malcolm Butler and deal that 11th overall pick to get him? Yeah, you know, it's a it's a tough price to pay uh, nearly a top 10 draft pick for him. But, you know, right now I would say yes, David. And, and it's just because of the state the Saints' pass defense is in. That secondary ranked dead last last year, 31st the year before that, and 25th in 2014. And they haven't drafted very well at the position either. Now they took they didn't take any corners last year. They took P.J. Williams and uh, Damian Swan uh, in 2015 in the third and sixth round, respectively. And then 2014, they took a second-round corner, Stanley Jean Baptiste from Nebraska. Not developing. He's on Seattle's practice squad at the moment. So right now, I think they need to do anything uh, they can to fix that secondary. And it starts with getting a top-five NFL corner in Butler. That is an interesting dilemma, Shelby, but uh, yes, Malcolm Butler's a great talent. The Saints need all the help they need on defense, but giving up, uh, uh, swapping, like, uh, I believe it would be 21 draft selections just to get Malcolm Butler and the and the Patriots get Brandon Cooks, the rest of the league would be mind-boggled at that. They would be angry at the Saints for only making the Patriots potentially stronger because at 11, the Patriots could do some more mortgaging maybe and move up and select one of the stud defenders in this draft, if not one of the stud running backs, dare I say. So that'll only make the Patriots more dangerous in the eyes of the rest of the league. So the rest of the league has to be praying the Saints don't take the bait here. Yeah, that's the rest of the league, though, David. With with you with the Saints, you know they're doing anything they get they can to revamp that defense. They have a five thousand yard passer every year, yet they're always missing out in the playoffs. The Buccaneers continue to get better. The Panthers, you know, a, a very terrible year last year, but could bounce back. They're trying to win their division. They know they're only going to see the Patriots in the Super Bowl. So if they can swap the first round and get Malcolm Butler, I know they lost Brandon Cooks, but they still have Willie Sneed. Michael Thomas from Ohio State, and they still have Drew Brees. And I think adding Malcolm Butler instantly betters their defense, as it would to any team in the NFL. And it's not the Saints' fault that uh, the Patriots signed Gilmore to that five-year, $40 million guaranteed extent, or contract to move him away from Buffalo. So from a Saints' perspective, yeah, you gave up Brandon Cooks, but you got a first-rounder for him, so that you have two first-round picks already. So swap the 11th. Unless you think at 11 you're going to get someone that can fill in as good as Malcolm Butler, but as we've seen in the past, they don't draft corners very well. But if they were to trade a picture, they trade pick number 32 back to the Patriots instead uh, because uh, they, they're they likely to get a better player at 11 than they are at 32. And is Malcolm Butler really worth a swapping of 21 draft spots? If they, if you can get him if you can get him at thirty two, but I doubt I don't know how Bill Belichick would negotiate because you know it, he seems to see uh, see potential in everything else that other coaches don't see. But if you can somehow sweat uh, swoon them for the thirty second pick and get but get Butler for that, and you keep eleven, that would be a great deal. But right now, if you're just looking for twenty seventeen to be competitive in the NFC South, Malcolm Butler inc- improves your defense immensely, and you know I I think it's something they should go for. That'll definitely be one of the biggest storylines headed into the draft, along with the future of Tony Romo. And now, speaking of great defenses, let's go to a defense that had a very underrated season in 2016. The Jacksonville Jaguars in 2016 quietly ranked sixth in total defense, despite their awful record. 
and they just got even more dangerous by bringing in arguably two of the, the two best uh, defensive uh, free agents out of the market in Calais Campbell and A.J. Boye. And if you look at this Jaguars defense, man, it is literally stacked at all three levels. Look at the, def- look at the defensive front. You got Calais Campbell and Malik Jackson. And you also got Dante Fowler at, 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 at the Leo position. I believe they will maintain the Gus Bradley scheme. And now go to the second level linebackers. You got Talvin Smith and Miles Jack, who I expect to break out this season, health permitting. And going into the secondary, you got potentially two shutdown corners now in Jalen Ramsey, who had an excellent rookie season last year, and A.J. Boye. How special can the 2017 Jaguars defense be, man? It, 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 it sounds like uh, they're building something down there. Yeah, and you're forgetting they also signed safety Barry Church to a yes, four-year, Barry Church. $26 million deal. But they can be very special, and it, luckily they're in a in an AFC South division that's been uh, probably the most mediocre in the in recent years. Uh, but, you know, I, I think the Jags' defense, I, I'm not sure their strength of schedule at the moment, but, you know, like you said, quietly, uh, number six uh, defense – total defense last season and you wouldn't expect that from a from a team that's had six straight 10 lost seasons 10 or more lost seasons sorry but yeah I think they can be a very special unit if they can all mesh together and like you said too and I agree with I think Miles Jack is is set for a big year yeah and not only can the Jaguars uh, defense be very good they could potentially start winning again and compete for a playoff spot, but that all hinges on somebody named Blake Bortles, who had an absolutely atrocious season uh, last year. But the good news is with a defense like that, as we saw with the Broncos in 2015, as you don't have to do a lot, but Blake Bortles is going to have to do at least something at a minimum to get Jacksonville not only winning again, but also in playoff contention. What does Blake Bortles have to do at a minimum in your eyes to make this Jaguars team uh formidable opponent for the rest of the NFL yet again. Yeah, he just has to be average, David. I mean, last year, Houston won the AFC South, then won a playoff game with Brock Osweiler throwing more interceptions than touchdowns. And that's in a division where Andrew Luck threw 31 touchdowns to 13 picks, and they still missed out on the postseason. So Bortles doesn't have to be spectacular. But the thing is, with uh, Jacksonville, I'm looking over my notes here, is that they still need to revamp their offensive line a little bit because, you know, last year Bortles was under a lot of pressure. He's got that big windup he throws with, uh, but really no running game to work with either. T.J. Yeldon and Chris Ivory struggled all year long uh, when Ivory was even healthy. But I think Bortles, he really just has to limit his turnovers. I mean, how many times did the Jaguars give up 17 points and seven of them came on a pick six or were set up by a bad interception by Bortles? He's got to limit his turnovers, David, but he just has to be average to win in this division. You know, TJ Yates led the Texans to a division title. So did Matt Schaub in back-to-back years. And then, uh, you know, Andrew Luck did it a few times. Now we're back to the Texans. Four out of the last six years, they've won the AFC South, and their quarterback position has not been that strong. I think Jacksonville could do the same thing. I absolutely think they can if that defense is as good as advertised, plus Bortles uh, cuts down the turnovers, as you say. But another thing uh, that I think could suit Jacksonville really well is to improve that running game and, uh, Yes, uh, we're not totally focused on the draft here, but uh, I think, uh, but to veer off slightly, I think uh, that selecting a running back with the uh, fourth overall selection would not be uh, the worst thing Jacksonville could do. Like if they could get like Dalvin Cook or Leonard Fournette at uh, four overall, I think that would immensely help Blake Bortles and the offense become more efficient. Would you be thinking that way if you were Tom Coughlin and Dave Caldwell? 
Yeah, I, I mean, I would, but at the same time, uh, you know, the offensive line is so important too. And that, you know, last year, David, the, the second highest rusher behind Ezekiel Elliott was Jordan Howard of the Bears. He was a fifth round pick. And that's because the Bears had such a good offensive line. Yes. So I would think, honestly, I, I would suit up that offensive line first before uh, going after a running back. But like we talked about uh, in past shows and earlier before this went on, is how special this running back class is. And it wouldn't surprise me the, the, at all if uh, Leonard Fournette is picked up by Jacksonville early in the first round. It would surprise me, but based on what you said, it would surprise you if they took a long look at Forrest Lamp at four. And Forrest Lamp has Pro Bowl potential. Arguably, a Getty Kim as a, a mauler on the interior could also help that running game, but that's also for another show. And he is Shelby Dermer, ladies and gentlemen. You follow him on Twitter at SCDermer4. He's the sports editor for, editor for Speakeasy Magazine at The Ohio University. And he also contributes to the Cincinnati Bengals fan site, stripehype.com. And uh, let's uh, move forward here, Shelby. Uh, aside from the Patriots and Jaguars as free agency winners, who were some other winners in free agency in your eyes? Well, as sad as it uh, is to say, I think Hugh Jackson and the Browns were uh, uh, very victorious in free agency. Uh, you know, they they spent over $100 million. They had the money to do it, and so they did. They spent $100 million, hundred plus million actually, on their offensive line. Uh, they gave up a franchise record 62 sacks last year, but they got Kevin Zeitler from my Bengals, uh, making him the highest paid guard in NFL history. They signed J.C. Treader, a center, for three years, $16 million. And then uh, uh, they signed another guard, uh, Joel Petonio, for five years, $51 million. So they're really getting their offensive line in shape. Uh, and now with the additional pick that they got for the Brock Osweiler deal, they have five top 65 picks this year. And they already have four picks in the first two rounds of 2018's draft. So I think the Browns are one of my winners there. Uh, you definitely make a case for the Browns there. But what what do you say to them uh, letting Terrell Pryor go and signing Kenny Britt instead? I think that move wasn't too smart. Yeah, that was the I, – I I like them building the offensive line more to, to view them as a winner. Uh, I'm not going to degrade them to a loser in free agency just because they lost Pryor. But that was that really was a shocker to me, especially since you had the money to re-sign him. And he did so many things for you last year. I mean, I can't imagine that offense without Pryor last year as much of a turnstile uh, quarterback rotation they had. I'm pretty sure Pryor had a 1,000-yard season. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yes, he did. Yeah, so to let him go, I mean, Kenny Britt, uh, more of a veteran, but, uh, you know, with, with Pryor, and he's a hometown kid from Ohio State, uh, and, and such a great story. You, you can, he obviously has the work ethic to go from a, a starting quarterback with Hugh Jackson and the Raiders to a thousand yard wide receiver in a four year span. Uh, you know, you, you got to know his motor uh, is always running. So that, that really was a, I'm glad you brought it up. That was a questionable decision for me, but you know, based on what they did with the offensive line, I, I, I ranked them as a winner. Yeah, and which teams would you say have lost in free agency so far? Well, unfortunately, I would have to say my Bengals lost a lot in uh, free agency. Uh, you know, the the offensive line ranks seventh in amount of sacks given up last year, 41 on Andy Dalton. Uh, and their two best offensive linemen, Andrew Whitworth, signed with the Rams. Kevin Zeitler, as mentioned, signed with the Browns. So now that offensive line is just in shambles right now. They did bring back uh, – two veteran tackles, Eric Winston and former Bengal Andre Smith. But those are 
nowhere near the replacements uh, or up to par with what Whitler and Zeitler brought to the table. And then, as I, you mentioned, as you mentioned earlier, Rex Burkhead, uh, very underrated. He gained uh, over five yards on 47% of his carries last year. I personally liked him more than Jeremy Hill at this moment. Uh, New England snatches him, and it makes you wonder what Bill Belichick sees in Burkhead that the Bengals didn't and how they're going to use him differently than Marvin Lewis did in Cincinnati. And then one more uh, loser I had, uh, actually the Texans. They lost three starters on that number one defense from uh, last year. Boye, the corner. Uh, Quentin Demps, the safety, and linebacker John Simon. So uh, Houston quietly with the whole Brock Osweiler saga, uh, trading him to Cleveland, uh, and they lost a second-round pick on top of that. So, yeah, they dumped Osweiler. But right now, as free agency is a week, uh, we're through a week of free agency, the Texans don't have a quarterback. They have John Savage and Brandon Whedon, and they lost three starters on their defense last year. Of course, they will get J.J. Watt back, though, David. But uh, I, I would I would say Houston was one of the losers. You you definitely bring up a case uh, for Houston uh, being uh, one of the losers. But uh, back to the Bengals for a moment. Uh, with their offensive line depleted, uh, do you think it's possible now that at nine, in sort of uncharacteristic fashion, they uh, reach on somebody, say like a Ryan Ramchek or a Garrett Bowles or a Forrest Slamp or uh, whoever's available on in the offensive line class there? Well, I mean, it wouldn't be out of character. I mean, they drafted Andre Smith uh, in the first round, and they drafted Cedric Obwehi and Jake Fisher back-to-back, first and second rounds in 2015. But I'm still, as far as the Bengals are concerned, uh, the way they've brought in, they brought back two veterans. Uh, the, the, rumor ha- the rumor is the Bengals are moving Andre Smith to right guard, uh, which is a bit questionable. I would, I would see them taking uh, in the offensive line somewhere between rounds two and four. But they're going to go defense uh, with that ninth overall pick, David, either a linebacker or defensive end. And personally, I'm rooting for Solomon Thomas to stay on the board. As you should, man. That would be an epic steal at nine overall, although I personally don't think Solomon Thomas will last long. But you have six weeks, so you can keep hoping. Uh, and uh, the key in free agency, as I talked about with Jake Marsing last week on this program, is value. You don't want to overpay. You want to get the best bargain possible. Who do you think will wind up being the most overpaid signing in 2017 NFL free agency? Ooh. You know, know, a a lot of teams reach for a lot of players. Uh, The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, um, you know, I I had them as a winner because uh, they were able to uh, sign Deshaun Jackson and, and, you know, get a deep threat to that lineup. But I wasn't a fan of their contract on Chris Baker from the Redskins, three years, uh, three-year deal there, but he's still uh, up there in age. I think he's on the wrong side of 30, and his production really went down uh, in 2016, but at the same time, he's pairing up with Gerald McCoy, but I think Tampa wanted to do anything they could to uh, fix that run defense. They were 22nd in the league last season against the run. Very good point there. And who do you think will wind up being the best bargain in 2017 NFL free agency? And it's the bargains that eventually count the most, folks. Yeah, I think uh, I, I really like I like the Barry Church signing uh, in Jacksonville. Uh, solid safety. Uh, but uh, of all the moves that I've seen, it wasn't really a signing as, as it was a trade with the Patriots and Coney Ely. Uh, he's still only 25. 
Uh, and he's like I mentioned earlier in the show, he's making less than nine hundred thousand dollars next year. So talk about value there, and and he's going to have a great chance to fill in. And you know the Patriots will be up by a lot of points uh, more times than not next season, so he'll have plenty of chances to rush the passer. Most definitely, and another value signing that uh, can't be ignored is the Packers signing Martellus Bennett from the Patriots. And yeah. they signed him for much less than I thought he would be worth, even at age 30, given uh, how big he is and how strong he is and what a multifaceted weapon he is for a football team. Yeah, I agree with you, David, and, and especially how Aaron Rodgers loves utilizing the tight end. I mean, your Michael Finley was a top 10 guy for uh, multiple years, and then Richard Rodgers has had his moments, and uh, you know, uh, Jared Cook had a was really valuable in the postseason. I, I want to say he made that great sideline catch to set up the game-winning field goal against Dallas. Um, that amazing throw by Rodgers. But yeah, I really like that signing, and I think uh, Ben will be a touchdown machine with Aaron Rodgers. And I think he will also upgrade that run game with his um, fantastic blocking skills. Thank you very much, Shelby. And that's all for today here on Sports Crunch with D. Crom. But we will be back with a new episode in just a few days as my good friend Bill Carroll will join us to break down the 2017 NFL quarterback draft class. Also, be sure to check out our complete broadcast archive as well as an up-to-date blog of mine at sportscrunch.com. And that's crunch with a K, folks. For Shelby Dermer, our producer Chris Broadhead, man in the box, I'm David Cromlow saying so long and stay awesome.